welcome to the My Family Coach podcast. I'm Claire and in each episode you'll find me interviewing a guest expert to find out more about the tricky world of child behaviour, all in handy 15 minute-ish bite-sized chunks. Then I'll send you away with three handy practical tips that you can use at home. And if this episode leaves you wanting more, you can watch, listen and read from our wide range of resources while you're on the go on the My Family Coach website. I'm joined by Dr. Emma Clark today. Emma is an academic, a writer and a teacher. She currently trains trainee teachers on how to be the best teachers they can be. And her specialism is around behaviour management. We're talking today about respectful communication and I hope you enjoy the interview. Hi Emma, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm really well. As usual, running the podcast uh, at home, haven't brushed my hair. Thank you for not saying anything. I had noticed, but I thought I'd just leave it. Just leave it. That leads us on nicely to respectful communication, (laughs) uh, which is our topic today. We like to start the podcast by just linking in a book or something that you've read related to the topic. Yeah, uh, there's some really interesting reading out there about communication, uh, obviously the kind of bedrock of of relationships with anybody, particularly children. I've been reading recently about rereading recently ideas about solution-focused approaches. So Miller and Bateman have got a really, really interesting book called Working with Children and Teenagers Using Solution-Focused Approaches, which gives ideas about structuring conversations, gives an overview of what solution-focused approaches are, uh, how they can work with a range of different children and meet a range of different needs. So really, really interesting reading and really accessible, really great ideas in there. That sounds brilliant for the parents listening to the podcast because sometimes I suppose with children, young people at home, it can be difficult to keep those kind of respectful boundaries, living in each other's pockets, all of those things. So yeah, I like the sound of that one. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think as well, I hate to use the, the C word, the COVID word, but I think with lockdowns, I think that has changed quite a lot of relationships at home because we've all been spending a lot more time in each other's personal space, trying to multitask, trying to work, trying to do 101 other things as well as um, kind of keep the relationships at home really positive. So I think now more than ever, maybe that idea about respectful communication is, is key and can easily slip. Um, when you're trying to do a million and one other things. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, I was going to add, I like to always talk about um, a random book that I'm reading and try and shoehorn it into the topic. So nice. I, it, this one, I think, is quite relevant. I'm reading um, Thinking Fast, uh, Think Slow by Daniel um, Kahneman. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's, it's quite a long-winded sort of psychological book, but this is pretty famous and one of, um, you know, on the bestseller list for psychology books. But it's the idea that sometimes we jump to conclusions quite quickly by using like the, yeah, the fast bit of our brain. But actually sometimes what we need to do is sort of go through facts, figures, figure out what it is that someone's saying. And then looping that back to respectful communication. I think sometimes at home, Um, respectful communication could go out the window when we go to that fast part of the brain and we're just instantly reacting, reacting, as opposed to reflecting, you know, trying to come up with something a bit more measured. So I thought that's a a pretty good one uh, to get parents to to think about. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, thinking about that idea about communication at home and respectful communication at home, 
sometimes the way we speak at home to the people that we're with all the time is quite different to the way we might speak to a friend or a colleague and it, it is like you say it's taking that time isn't it that we might with a friend or a colleague when we're talking that we don't always um, always take that time and have that reflection when we're talking with in our sort of relationships at home in the house yeah well do you, tell us a bit more about uh, what you do um as well not what you do just in general but in work maybe, <laughs> like your expertise in the area that'd be really great right so I started uh, my professional career as a primary school teacher um and straight from the kind of off my first day in my first uh, job I ended up working with some children who had really very challenging behaviour um, and that carried on then really throughout my primary career. So I was a primary teacher for 17 years. And then more recently, I've moved into higher education and I now work as a senior lecturer uh, training primary school teachers. And I focus there on particularly aspects of managing behaviour, managing and supporting a range of different behaviours. And my research interests are also around managing behaviour, working with children with additional needs and um, girls and permanent exclusion. Oh, lovely. What a range of experience. And I, I'm just thinking about um, the parents at, at home or wherever, you know, people are listening and just just thinking about that respectful communication. And, and I guess crossing over some of your experience from the classroom training teachers and the tips around, you know, trying to manage ourselves in those home environments, keeping our, our I don't know, everything calm and having respectful communication. What, what sort of things do you think would be? Uh, great for, for parents to do at home on this topic? I think there's a lot of crossover between my work with training teachers and parents at home because we're all working to support children, aren't we? We all want the best for the children in our care, whether that is your own child or children or the children in your care in your classroom. So quite often my trainees will come in and start the year by thinking that when they communicate with, with the children in front of them in their class, that they've got to be really uh assertive really aggressive really strong give them an inch they'll take a mile that sort of thing and actually I work really really hard to unpick some of those assumptions and I think sometimes it can be the same at home as well you've got to be very much dominant very much in control all the time <clears throat> and actually I try and bring my trainings back all the time to this brilliant uh, author I think he's brilliant anyway an educational researcher called Bill Rogers mm. um he's got loads of books out there loads of podcasts loads of videos really accessible and a lot of his ideas about working with children also cross over to working with our own children as a parent in the home. And one of his key uh, ideas is about being respectfully confident. And for me, I think that's a lovely way to think about working with children, any children, children in school, children in the home. And for me, particularly thinking about communicating in the home, the idea about being respectfully confident as a parent but also respectfully confident as a child. So you've got that respectful bit in terms of the way you communicate what you're saying and how you're saying it, but also that confidence that actually you're going to be listened to, that what you are saying is going to be heard both as a parent and as a child. So the idea about ensuring all of your communication is respectfully confident, I think is a really, really interesting way to frame our ideas about communicating with children at home. 
That's really interesting. I'm thinking back to um, when I worked in an inpatient um, facility with uh, young people that had uh, eating disorders and um, I sat on quite a few ward rounds and things and I, I remember some of, I wouldn't obviously sit in therapy sessions, that'd be hugely inappropriate, but sort of when, when we would think about some of the parents and, and carers there that were having a like, really difficult time um, at home, as well as obviously dealing with the difficulty of, uh, you know, a young person, child uh, being in a psychiatric um, unit but some of the things that were recommended in in that um, unit for for parents was having assertiveness um, mm. training uh, you know specifically focused for for parents so I think with this topic of respectful communication I'm immediately going to you know that behavior that that challenges I'm immediately going to parents being over assertive but actually there's the reverse because actually respectful communication isn't just about that can you know that that power that control it can work the other way can't it that you can be so um worried about how you communicate that that becomes disrespectful and not helpful um for the child or young person at home yeah definitely and I, I think trying to ensure that you are respectfully confident in your communications is a really supportive kind of way of thinking about it actually and also the idea I think it's it's really easy to forget that most of our communication is non-verbal. So most of what we say is actually communicated through how we're saying it, through what our bodies are saying, rather than actually verbally what we say. And I think sometimes when we are, let's use that kind of idea about, about communicating with a friend outside the home, often you are not doing anything else. You know, you're sat facing each other and you have that eye contact, you have that non-verbal positive contact. Maybe at home you are, you know, unloading the washing machine, trying to answer an email on the phone, trying to do something else all at the same time mm. and have a communication. I think it's really easy then to forget essential aspects of communicating. Like, am I looking at the person I'm talking to? What is my body language saying? Is that, am I open? Do I look like I'm listening? If somebody was watching me now, does it look like I'm listening to my child or the person in front of me? Or am I clearly actually trying to get this conversation over with as quickly as possible because I need to move on to the next thing? Yeah, it's how I just was like, oh no, I'm so guilty of this and everything that I do yes. in life where I am. My partner gets um, super annoyed at me because I've got the innate ability to be able to do all of those things and actually hear exactly what someone's saying and answer. But I can hear, but I'm not listening, you know, and I think that's such a cliche and you know that we love cliches on this podcast. I'm always cracking out the, the cliches, but it really is such a different skill between hearing someone and, and listening. And I think back to some of the children I might have worked with in schools as well. Um, I think that violence uh, can be bred from being unheard um, as well. And I think. Um, if I'm not heard, I'm going to make loud noises and get myself heard and translating that to home. I wonder, you know, sometimes with our children at home, whether the perception or feeling of not being heard can, can breed some of those challenges. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. You may well be, like you say, I think I have that ability to, to do lots of other things as well and listen. Um, but it's easy to not appear to be listened to. You know, I can I can hoover and unload the dishwasher and make tea, but it wouldn't look like I was listening to the child who was trying to tell me something really important at that time. And again, it's having that space to communicate, isn't it? Often the most important conversations are done while you are doing a million and one different things. 
And that, that doesn't give that idea about respectful communication. It's not having that space to openly communicate. It's really hard to, to, um, to talk about things that are maybe not easy to talk about if you've got the person who you want to listen to you in another room or doing something else or answering an email or on the phone or something else. So I think when we think about respectful communication at home, it's actually carving out opportunities to have those conversations. Are you, have you got that time and space to, to sit down with your child with nothing else going on, with nothing in your hands or with no screens on, to start having those communications, not necessarily about anything difficult, but just open up that communication. Yeah, those opportunities. Um, I know Debs and I uh, last week on the podcast uh, talked about difficult conversations and we this is echoing some of those ideas where any sort of communication in the home, we need to find time for it. And it's so difficult, isn't it, with our busy schedules and everything going on? It, it's so difficult. But I talk about investment of time and getting things back in interest. So for investing that time in that respectful communication and, and sharing as a family, as a team, I, I think you'll get that back in interest where you're, you're building that respectful communication together. And I think as a family, you know, a family unit, whatever that looks like in your home, I think I think that's really, really important. And I think there's this idea, isn't there, that you're together all the time in the house. So you have all these opportunities to communicate. But actually, when you think about that quality of communication, how many of those exchanges are actually of a quality? Are they just fleeting? And that's fine for a lot of communication. But actually, you need those those spaces where you are together and there is like you say that opportunity to have quality quality discussions rather than just shouting somebody in the room or <clears throat> while you're you know unloading the dishwasher or something like that you're together but you're not really having those those open opportunities for respectfully confident and respectful communication that's really interesting and you, you've got me thinking about also the child's perspective so I've um well my nieces and nephews I've got um, a niece that makes less eye contact I'd say than you know socially acceptable and not I don't mean that I judge her by it but that's just where she's at with her eye contacts and I think respectful communication can look different for different children and um, I know when I'm speaking to her I'm not demanding that I have that eye contact for her because she actually finds it quite difficult but I do think there is something in trying to teach our children about why we make eye contact and why it's important. But I guess getting the right balance between not demanding something that someone finds difficult and still keeping things respectful, because there's ways of listening that aren't just, you know, through eye contact, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It makes me really uncomfortable. Some schools are moving to this very much. You must look at me in a certain way. You must be seated in a certain way when I'm talking to you. You must respond in a certain way to show that you're listening. And although there are those sort of stereotypes about how we can physically show that we are listening, um, I think, yeah, each family has got to find their own kind of comfortable groove to do that in. I know um, in my family, we sometimes have our best conversations in the car because there isn't that immediate need for eye contact, but nobody is also doing anything else at the same time so we are sort of together but we're not necessarily eyeballing each other yeah but there is that time and space to talk well I did mention last week to Debs um that my mum used to trap me in the car and have different <laughs> conversations all the time. 
not necessarily respectfully. Um, so I think yours sounds better than my experience growing up and being yeah, questioned uh, in a car. That's not respectful communication, Mum. Not that she listens to these anyway. Good strategy, though. <laughs> it is, yeah, that's, that's definitely tip as well uh, um, today. Um, I think I, I think it's brought up some interesting um, points for me. I just wondered if you had um, a few tips on the on the subjects that might help parents to um, navigate respectful communication at home. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, the idea that Bill Rogers puts out about, about being respectfully confident, about you as a parent or carer being respectfully confident when you're talking to your children and encouraging your children to be respectfully confident when they speak to you because you know that you're both going to be listened to there is that expectation that if you have a conversation both of you will listen and also that idea about body language are you showing the person that's talking to you that you are listening that you are invested and if so how Mm. because that's probably not going to happen if you've got your head in the washing machine when they're trying to discuss something with you and also the idea about time you know, you're together all the time in the house, or you may well be together all the time or lots of the time, but actually what percentage of that time is going to be conducive to those respectful discussions, those respectful communications between you? Because it's not going to be, certainly not in my house, the majority of the time when you're doing something else. So think about how you can carve out some regular time to have talks with your, within your family unit, not necessarily difficult conversations, just getting to the habit of talking to each other and with each other do i think those tips are absolutely brilliant it really got me thinking about some of the things that i might do in work though as well that you, you kind of have to have that structure don't you so what it's really what that's saying is you're planning the time then you're doing that respectful listening time and then you're reviewing it like how how often are we finding times to do these things so that kind of plan do review it sounds really naff on a thinking about you know translating work strategies in into home but I think you do need to have that structure don't you absolutely and that can look different for every family that might be a a hot chocolate after school it might be a range of different things and obviously I'm not in any position to dictate what that would look like but I think it's a really interesting idea again to talk to your children as a family unit about let's have x amount of time five minutes 20 minutes half an hour an hour every day to talk to each other about what's been happening what can we do to make that time sort of special and different what can we do to make sure that we're all there and and sort of ready for that time oh lovely really really great tips really interesting topic uh, that we've covered today thank you so much for your time emma and i i hope we get to catch up soon thanks claire you've been listening to the my family coach podcast thank you for joining us as we lift the lid on the challenging world of child behavior There's heaps more helpful advice for all your parenting needs on the My Family Coach website. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.